0: to the 84th Psalm, I really love being in a study, whether it be of the book of the Bible or whether it be topical, Um, maybe on the faithful characters of the Bible, I'm looking at that, probably start a consistent study in a book or on a topic um, starting in November. And so between Isaiah 53 and that, we just have some sporadic messages. And, and so I still have thoughts of uh, a couple of faithful sayings that I want to share, but that's not the case tonight. 84th Psalm, just one of my, my favorite psalms. And you know, about the first three years... Of, of preaching, I would, I would say that 95% of the preaching I did was informational and not inspiration. I mean, there's inspiration in the information, but I say that just to say it's a, a lot of inspiration tonight. I think about, I think about what has been said by many church members after going online uh, a year ago and then here in recent days, and folks sincerely talked about how they could not wait to get back to the house of God with God's people. What a wonderful desire that that is to have in, in recent days, and I'm not going to mention any details, someone would trace what I'm talking about, and I don't want to get there. But anyway, there, there are just certain occasions where, where I get in conversations with people after a certain type of an event maybe, and, and the point is made to me so many times about how you don't have to go to church. The most important thing is to believe in the Lord. Well, I tell you what, it's a privilege to worship. It's a privilege to have congregated worship, to unite in worship. It is so much different to stand here with the Wassels and a camera. I love the Wassels, but I'm just saying, with no one else in this place, thank God for the privilege of worship together. And I just love this psalm. I just love the bubbling over in the heart of this psalmist as he is so longing to be able to worship. I'm going to read it through and then I'll be reading these verses again. And I I don't want to say that this is just some kind of inspirational pep rally that we're going to have, but it's, it's just an inspiring talk, I hope, on the privilege of us being able to worship. Psalms 84. How amiable... Are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts? My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. Yea, the sparrow hath found an house, and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young. Even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. They will be still praising thee, Selah. Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, in whose heart are the ways of them, who passing through the valley of Baca make it a well. The rain also filleth the pools. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appeareth before God. O Lord of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob, Selah. Behold, O God, our shield, and look upon the face of thine anointed. For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will He withhold from them that walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusteth in Thee. It's a privilege to meet in the house of God for worship. There are many with the ability to attend who don't do so. Then there are others who desire to meet for worship and they cannot do so. This is a burden on both ends of the spectrum. Those who can go, who don't, and those who would, but they can't. We might think of David when he was innocently on the run from Saul and he was going the opposite way of the tabernacle, the opposite way of the temple, While he was being tracked and he wanted to get to the temple, he wanted to meet for congregated worship, but he was not able to do so. You might think about some... Jews in some certain situations who were cut off from attending the spiritual feast, the annual feast, and there are people today with legitimate situations which deny them the privilege of congregated worship and they long for it. And the psalmist is an encouraging example to us tonight of the worship of the Lord... And his longing to meet with God's people, though he cannot be there with God's people. We see three things this evening that for this psalmist, his delight is in the Lord, his strength is in the Lord, and his trust is in the Lord, no matter what he's going through. His delight is in the Lord. And we see a place, the place in verse 1. How amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. In the psalmist's day, the, the temple was respected. It was regarded as beautiful and beloved. The, the temple was a sign of the presence of God. The, it was the dwelling place of the Lord. It was God's house. In the Old Testament, the glory of God dwelt in the temple. The 26th Psalm and the 8th verse says, The Lord's house is the place where His honor dwelleth. The house of God is a special place Today. But we know that the Lord dwelleth not in temples made with hands. He does not dwelleth in in any buildings made with hands, but He dwells in the believer. You know, I go back to the house of God where I was saved every now and then and I have the privilege to preach and sometimes when I get there early I just walk around I walk around and look at the building of God and just remember the steps that the Lord directed me in there I walk through that building uh, as a a lost soul and along the way Jesus found me and I trusted him and he saved me from my soul and I, I love going to the house of God where I was saved uh, in the evening time right before service I used to get there early and sit in the sanctuary and that evening sun would come in through the stained glass and, and so when I preach an evening service for them I, I see that stained glass over there and I I love it that the building's still there uh, I love it when I go and I and I see those things and, and it's lovely but there's nothing more lovely than than the people of God. The, The amiable, beautiful thing is the people of God. The people are the church. When the people are gathered is when the Spirit of God is here, dwelling in the midst of the believers. And it's a, it's a beautiful thing, the people of God in the house of God, gathering for worship. That was a, a, a lovely thing, and it was on the heart of the psalmist. But we not only see a place, but we see a person in verse 2. My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out, For the living God. There's a longing for the courts of the Lord. There's a fainting for them. His heart and His flesh crieth out for the living God though. You know, the tabernacle, the, the courts of the Lord, it, it's all nothing if not for the living God. Thank God for the place of worship, but it's nothing without the living God. We serve a living God, though. We have a privilege to worship a living God. Only He can satisfy our spiritual appetite. Someone put a price tag number to me on how much was spent on, on the building that they so-called worship in and they said isn't it beautiful but what's beautiful are the people of God who make up the church who serve the living God no building no structure no matter how holy it looks no matter how many rituals go on there's not the satisfying of the spiritual appetite without the living God and you and I get to meet in God's sanctuary together and and congregate, and worship Him in unity. And oh, the psalmist is longing for that. It's obvious he worshiped the Lord wherever he was. He couldn't get to the house of God. But he desired to worship with Christians so much it hurt so much it exhausted him in every way because he wanted to get to the house of God. We see a privilege in verse 3. Yea, the sparrow hath found an house, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young, even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. The psalmist didn't get off track here talking about the birds. He's thinking about the bird who built a nest in the rafters of the temple. And here the worship of God is going on right below where this bird has brought its family. Her young and everything. This bird is in the sanctuary and it has made a nest you understand, he's not, he's not made to long for the house of God, for, for the bird that just seems to zip through the service and fly one in and ride out the other. His desire is likened unto the one who's nested there, who dwells there. There is nothing to desire of The fleeting Christian. The one who just comes in and they're gone. The one who just zips right through. But oh, the desire and the longing of his heart is likened unto the one who dwells in the house of God. What a privilege to worship the Lord. Wow, there's a a progression too. Because of the laying of their young. You know, there have been generations of families that we've been blessed with in this church. I mean, several generations of one family. And there ought to be that progression in the family of God. You see, this bird had their young there in the house of God. And every, every child ought to have two homes... Their residence and the house of God with God's people. Every child ought to be growing up in two families. Their own blood kin at home and the spiritual kinfolk of God in the family of God. And and we'll see that progression that's to take place. The, The most wonderful thing we can do for our children is bring them to the house of God you know maybe there are others who don't have the rough edges of some things about my demeanor that maybe my kids haven't liked but but I tell you what and and, and maybe there's others who who just don't have that Bad demeanor. There's so many things that seem so nice about them, But the most tragic thing someone could do is not introduce their children to Jesus Christ and the family of God. There should be a progression of the family of God as we teach our children about the Lord. And that there would be a permanence. Verse 4 says, Blessed are they that dwell in thy house they will be still praising Thee. All religious attendance is a duty, but a relationship attendance is a desire. And the children can see the difference... And, and there is no glory in the fleeting Christian doing a religious duty, but oh, the one who dwells and has a relationship with the Lord, who loves the privilege of being in God's house. It makes all the difference. Not only does the psalmist delight in the Lord, but his strength is in the Lord. This is, this is through verses 5 through 8. We read a whole lot about some strength here. Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, in whose heart are the ways of them, who passing through the valley of Baca make it a well. The rain also filleth the pools. The valley of Baca does not have a geographical location that we can biblically find in the Word of God, but there is a meaning to the valley of Baca. It speaks of the difficult condition that we find ourselves in. The valley of Baca, it means a balsam tree. And and the balsam tree has sap and it oozes like tears. And this describes how the psalmist feels. How helpless and hopeless in one sense he feels. And how he falls into the pit of despair for a moment because he can't get to the house of God. Because he doesn't have the privilege of united worship with God's people. But this is not where the Christian dwells. We might dip through the valley of Baca but that's not where the Christian is to stay. We're not to stay in that valley. We ought to be in the valley sometimes. It helps us to reach someone else who's going through the valley. God uses all things that we go through. He comforts us so that we might be able to comfort them which are in any need of help. So there's a dip in the valley, but then He raises us up again. The Christians shouldn't dwell in the Valley of Baca. Notice what it says. Who passing through the Valley of Baca. It's just a pass through of that valley when we receive and when we apply that spiritual strength that we're given from the Lord. He gives strength upon strength to His people for just a passing through. We're freely given this and we're not to stay in the sorrowful valley. We're commanded not to stay in the sorrowful valley. Rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice in the strength of the Lord gives that. The joy of the Lord is our strength. The psalmist can't get to the sanctuary of God, but anywhere he is, he has the strength of the Lord. He has access to God's strength in his life and that gives an energy to rejoice about all the things of God all the time we might be going through struggles but there is a rejoicing that the Lord is worthy of from our lives no matter where we find ourselves no matter where we are he is finding help by the strength of the Lord and he is worshipping God anywhere he can. He can't get to the sanctuary, but you understand he's worshiping God. This psalmist is actually worshiping God out underneath that old shade tree. You ever had anybody tell you I can worship God under the shade tree just like I can at church? Well, they don't, but this psalmist actually is. It's so it's okay to worship under the shade tree, but notice his preference. His preference would be to get to the temple, to get to the tabernacle, to God's people, to be in God's house and serving Him. Verse 7, They go from strength to strength, every one of them in Zion appeareth before God. As we avail ourselves to the Lord's strength, He strengthens us more and He strengthens us more. The closer that they are getting to the temple, to, to the house of God, you might think about a journey making them weary physically, but they, they are cheerful and they are lively and the closer they get, the more lively they became. It's kind of like when Jesus had to stop off in Samaria and, and the Jews went to town to get something to eat. And they came back and, and Jesus was all energized and it was kind of like, where did you get something to eat? And he said, I have meat to eat that you know not of. And, and so the energy and the strength that the Lord gives us for the spiritual things of God, that keeps going. That keeps going on and on. We go from strength to strength. Oh, it reminds me of the churches of Macedonia in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. They want to get in on the fund for the poor saints in Jerusalem. They're begging to be able to give. They just about need an offering themselves. If it weren't the poor saints in Jerusalem, they were about there. But they say... Let us give. Please let us give. And the churches of Macedonia, they didn't have much, but they started giving. And then they started giving more than they had. Did that not make sense to you? It shouldn't make sense to our human mind, but it's true that they gave more than they have. They went from strength to strength. And they kept giving more and more because they gave themselves to the Lord. Wow! they begged to give. They gave more than they could and they kept giving more than that. They gave their own selves to the Lord. No matter where we are and what our condition is, the opposite of quit is to take place. There, there is no biblical quitting for the disciple. I'm not being insensitive to the struggles and the troubles that we go through, but there just is no biblical out for anyone to quit no matter what. It would be to our detriment. There's nothing positive. There's no plus in that. There's no plus in walking out on the things of God. This is the work of God and oh, the divine energy He gives to us To do the work. Spiritual strength. It gets greater and greater. Greater with use. And I tell you what, it's contagious. And the Lord adds grace upon grace to us. As we walk in strength upon strength of the Lord. The more drastic our situation If we avail ourselves to the strength of the Lord, the more we're going to experience it, the more evident it is going to be when we're weak, then we're strong. That's what Paul said and it's for us too. There is an inner drive that the psalmist has to get to God's people and a power assisting him from heaven to get there. And there's not only the pressing forward in the power of God. But there is petition made to the Lord. Verse 8, wherever He is, whatever's going on, He can't get to the house of God, but He can pray, Oh, how long has it been since you talked with the Lord? Verse 8, Oh, He says, Oh, Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob, Selah. One thing about it, the prayer line never has to be cut off, no matter where we are. I tell you what, I'm just kind of open. I guess nobody's a complete open book, but, but God's been doing a work of prayer in my life, a work concerning prayer in a Christian's life. I tell you what, it, it makes a big difference in our walk. The the time that we spend with the Lord in prayer. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Do we want to know how much we're depending on the Lord? How much are we praying? How long has it been since we talked with the Lord? Oh that prayer line, it's open it's always open, it's real God inclines His ear to us. He hears us in a time of trouble. Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Oh call on the Lord in prayer that's what the psalmist does he can't make a beeline for the sanctuary but he can get on the prayer line to God and you can do that wherever you are it's something that the Christian can do and must do is there a weakening in our spiritual lives? You know what? Let it start with prayer. Tell the Lord about it. It's not going to be a news flash to Him. He knows what you have need of before you ask. But tell Him about it. That's for our benefit that we tell Him about it. And that we would pray without ceasing. Things don't seem right? Just tell the Lord about it and, and stay in prayer to Him. That's where the psalmist is in his situation. Man, it'll lift you right out of that valley of Baca. That, that, that tear stain from the, from the tree, it, it'll, it'll lift you right out of that valley. Pray without ceasing. When we are feeling the effects of our enemy's power, don't doubt God's holy power from heaven. Don't doubt that there is a connection in our prayer life to the power of God that we need. Call it down in prayer. Call it down in prayer like the psalmist. He calls, he calls on the Lord of hosts. And I mentioned the other day for some reason in some message that that's an army of one. He has a situation that's overwhelming him, but he says, O Lord of hosts. He has confidence in the army of God all by himself. He calls on the Lord by way of covenant. He has confidence in the covenant of God. He says, O God of Jacob. And he's thinking about that line. He's thinking about that line the Messiah is going to come through. He believes in faith that the Messiah is going to come. We believe in faith that He already has come. And he's saying the Messiah is, oh God of Jacob. Oh, he's considering the divine line, that lineage that the Lord Jesus is coming through. There is strength to press forward in. The psalmist. strength is in the Lord his trust is in the Lord. Behold, O God, our shield, and look upon the face of thine anointed. The Lord said to Abraham, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield. And the psalmist says, Behold, O God, our shield, I'm not reaching there to make a connection with that lineage that the Lord Jesus is coming through. From the promise made to Abraham that He would be the Father of many nations and the precious Messiah promised would come through Him. And within these words and names... He was praying for the lineage as well. He was praying for the lineage. He was trusting in the coming of the Messiah. Oh, what hope there always is in Him, no matter where we are and what the situation is. When we look to the Lord and we trust Him, I tell you what, priorities get in line. Things get lined out in our lives. Someone asked the, the wise elderly deacon one time, Brother, Brother Sire, when, when do I get there? When do I just feel like I have arrived as a Christian? He says, when you get to heaven. But I tell you what, along the way, some spiritual priorities line out the life. Verse 10, For a day... In thy courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. How do we know we're in the will of God when we're not in the house of God? Well, number one, we're not able to get to the house of God. We can't be there number two because our overwhelming desire is to be there i tell you what i love the church you don't you don't have to be saved in the church you know you can be anywhere and be saved you don't have to walk down the aisle to be saved at church and, and someone will go to heaven right from a hospital bed without ever stepping into a church. It, you know, but I tell you what, I tell you what, when I was having problems in, in my life, unsaved, and I was trying to fix them on my own and I couldn't, and I had no idea really who Jesus was, But I was carried to the church house and I sensed some hope in God's house. There was something good there. It was a whole lot better. It was opposite of the places I had dwelt and congregated with people before. It was unlike any other place. And and in my stubbornness and in my dense head, and dense heart god was chipping away the whole time i just got a glimpse that there's something about this man and there's something about that guy and there's something about the people of god there my answer somewhere in it and i made a request to this god and i was putting the cart before the horse he slowed me down and he saved my soul and my problem continued after I was saved. But I had a simple plan. All I ever have are simple plans. And I had a simple plan with a remedy to it. I'm going to the house of God. What would you say, preacher? There's a men's meeting. There's a men's meeting for leaders. I'm not a leader, but can I go? Can I just go sit in the corner? Sure you can. Come on. Every time the doors were open. I'm not breaking my arm, patting myself on the back. That wasn't me. That was the drawing of God to hope that I sensed was going to happen. And praise the Lord it helped. A whole lot of good things happen in the house of God. People meet their spouses in the house of God. People find their gift and the use of their gift in the house of God. People make the best friends they've ever had in their lives in the house of God. I'm so embarrassed of the first 30 years of my life. And if I showed you a list and the details of my, of my so-called friends, I tell you what, it was it was no t- When I got saved, I must have bought a different brand of deodorant. Because they were gone. Certain certain extracurricular activities didn't take place at my wedding. And guess who didn't show up? So-called friends. But man, I, I can list them. I, I could probably list for the next five minutes. Names of friends that God has given me in among His people, in His church, in His house. Wow, I tell you what, I tell you what, I'd rather hold the door open at the house of God than be any of a thousand places. Well, that's what the psalmist is saying, and you know it's truth. Wow, the psalmist, he is expressing an overwhelming desire to have one day in the house of God over a thousand anywhere else. The world can offer the highest of positions, but he'll take doorman at the house of God just to hold that door open at the house of God and you come on in and you go and you fill up all those seats and let me have the privilege of just standing in the back during the worship of God while God's people come in and congregate and worship the Lord in unity oh that's his attitude that's his attitude I guarantee you, I'm, I'm not putting anything in there. It, it's, it falls within his attitude. That's where he is. He delights in the Lord. He finds his strength in the Lord. And he trusts in the Lord in the hardest of times. I mean, what's going on that he cannot get to the tabernacle. Oh, but his desire for God and his desire of the holy things of God, they're at the temple. They're at the tabernacle. The church ought to be about the things of God. The house of God ought to be about the things of God. The people of God ought to be about the things of God. One church. Cancelled Sunday night service and had a Super Bowl barbecue tailgate party. I said, Granddaddy, what do you think about that? He said, well, I reckon the Lord was hungry and the Lord was bored. The house of... Y'all don't want that, do you? The house of God ought to be about the things of God. And so should the people of God. Y'all act like y'all have done that tailgate party before. I don't think you have. Tents of wickedness. <laughs> I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Pleasures of sin. You hear that, young people? Bible says there's the pleasures of sin. God doesn't hold anything back. God's not trying to He's not trying to shelter you. He says there's pleasures in sin, but they only last for a season. E- eternal joy are the pleasures of sin for a season that sting in the end, that bite you like a serpent. Which one we you... The psalmist says that's tents of wickedness. You know, you know some will go and they'll camp out in tents of wickedness, but he says put me at the door of the Lord. Rather be there than anywhere else in the Lord, in the world. The psalmist, he's like Moses, choosing to suffer affliction with the people of God than the pleasures of sin for a season. Oh what a oh what a hard season that is. You know, if I were if I was able to do anything with teenagers for a while, it was only with God's help because I did not grow up as a teenager with knowledge of the things of God. No conviction, no drawing of God on my life. I I wasn't around anything that had anything to do with the things of God. Kind of like Pastor Stone, he said he didn't know job from Job. You know, he thought Job was job. Same thing here. I didn't know. And so, and so how do I make connection with these with these kids that I see growing up with the privilege, the privilege of worship, the privilege of learning about the Lord Jesus, seek him early while he may be found? I didn't get to do that, but I got to be a part uh, that, that maybe some would. And I don't want to glory in sin. I never want to glory in sin in front of the teenagers. But the scars, the scars that come. Yes, I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and He forgave me of everything. I tell you, the guilt's gone. It, it It is done. I had a helper at work one time, and he said, that's no fair, Preston. You got to live and do whatever you wanted for 30-something years, and then you got saved. I already got saved, and I'm 18. And, man, you know how I'm feeling. I said, there's forgiveness. But that doesn't mean the consequences don't stay around. Oh, that doesn't mean there there are not scars. Forgive me for any hindering I did with the teenagers, but I, I just... I just begged him to stay away from the scars that they would have. He'd rather suffer affliction with the people of God, like Moses is his attitude. The flesh will choose sin, but faith will direct us to God's house every time. Hold on on to God in, in His house with His people. What a distinct preference that's made by the psalmist. We see a path. Verse 11, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Wow. That, that sounds like a pretty good path. The psalmist, he's, he's on a good path. He's on a path of grace now, and He's on a path of glory later. God gives us all good things. And anything He doesn't give us, it's not time, or there's no time for it. And we have peace with that when we're on that path. This is the thinking on the upright path. The world, you know, the world may change our physical path. The world is doing everything it can to change the physical path that we're on in life. But that never has the power to get us off the spiritual path. It doesn't have to happen. We don't have to do that. We see a promise in verse 12, O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusteth in Thee. What a good promise to wrap things up with. He has tasted and he has seen that the Lord is good. And he has chosen the Lord. His delight is in the Lord. His strength is in the Lord. His trust is in the Lord. And he's experiencing the promise. It's ingrained in him. The Lord is the center of his life. The Lord is his joy and his happiness. Don't let any of us have to be in a place of not being able to get to the house of God to discover the longing of our soul, to discover where our appetite is going to be Get fulfilled and given where we are going to become full. It's by the things of God and the house of God. The psalmist couldn't get to the house of the Lord. Wow, but he went to the Lord of the house. He got to his house by going to him. If you can get to the Lord's house Get there. Get there any way you can. Know the privilege of worship with God's people in His house. Know this. Know this just as we close. If we're ever in a situation where we can't get to the house of God, know that you can go to Him. Know that... You can stand in Him. You know, there, Austin's here tonight and we have others in the military and I, I don't know just quite how that goes. Sometimes church is okay maybe away. Sometimes it's, it's, it's worse than not going somewhere. I've just heard many different stories of many different situations. Just a little something that we can take with us when we can't get to His house. We can always get to Him. We can always get to the Lord. We have access to Him. What a holy passion that this psalmist has for his Lord. What a privilege it is for you and I to worship. And I don't know what the Lord may do with you concerning this inspiration we've been sharing tonight, but let Him have His way with you. We're going to go to the Lord in a word of prayer. And if you have a need in your life, bring it to the Lord. You know, I've, I've had my time early in ministry of trying to move people out of their seat to the altar. There's, that's, that's, a, that's a vain thing for me to do. That's vain energy. But I, I want to say this, though. When the Lord tugs on our heart in the house of God, if we don't move on it now, we may not do that at home in the prayer closet. Obey the Lord as He moves upon your heart. If you need help here tonight from the Lord, only He can give it to you, but we can help you to get it. Whatever the case may be. Is there, is there one here tonight? Just as the scenario the preacher has made up for, for centuries... God forbid something happened to your life tonight and you don't make it down 1960, do you know that you're going to make it to heaven? What stands in the way to delay you of the most important thing in your life that is freely given through God's Son? Would you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I take Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I realize I'm a sinner. I have delayed. It's so dangerous. I receive Him now. I trust Him who died on the cross for my sins. I believe in Him. Jesus saved me. Jesus saved me. I think of the woman that I that I went through every bit of theology of salvation. I, it seems like I could one day. I don't know why I did it. But she said, young man, why didn't you just tell me to, to trust Jesus to save me? And I said, ma'am, that, that's where it is. And that's real simple. Would you trust Him tonight? Would you bow before the Lord tonight and seek His help? Will you leave changed? Will you leave with hope in your situation. I'm talking about a Christian. I'm talking about maybe a Christian tonight who just has let themselves dwindle in their mind to a place where you don't think there's any hope in your situation. Will you give it to the Lord tonight? Will you let Him give you some hope? Let us bow and let us pray. Father.